Am I good enough to lift a third of our clean? Watch it, jerk. Shut up, idiot, moron. Gab eater. Black snipper. Pop liquor. Fart smeller. <laughs> you eat dog crap for breakfast, geek. You mix your weed with your mama's toe jam. Yeah. You bop grapples in the toilet. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to that cozy little corner of cyberspace we call the Sunday Night Sandlot, brought to you by SoCalledFantasyExperts.com. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, and I would like to welcome you aboard for what we hope will be an entertaining and informative 60 minutes of fantasy baseball news and analysis. This week, it is part two of our discussion about players who are off to uncharacteristically hot or cold starts. We covered pitchers in our last show, so tonight it is all about the hitters. Later in the show, we're going to be joined by a very special guest, Mr. Ryan Hallam of so-called fantasy experts and various other fantasy sites. Ryan is a real veteran of the industry. We'll be sitting in with us and talking about his most recent article, which was entitled Real or Fake? Waking Up Next to Evan Gaddis. That is certainly apropos for our topic this evening. I'm sure Ryan will have some great insight to share with us. So if that sounds like a good time to you, then pull up a chair and let's talk some baseball. It is time to introduce my counterpart here in the Cyber Studio. He is the co-founder of SoCalledFantasyExperts.com, another veteran of the fantasy sports industry, and has been playing fantasy baseball for over 20 years. He's currently in charge of aggregation efforts at the Fantasy Sports Network and is a member of the inaugural Tout Wars X League. Please say hello to the Roto Daddy himself, Mr. Doug Anderson. Doug, how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great, Buck. But uh, I, I think before we get into anything else, I need to ask you about yep. the Baseball Hall of Fame. How'd that go? Wow. I, I haven't had a chance to, to get there, and I'm a little bit jealous. Well, a, a long, long journey. It, it's not something where you just fly into the airport and, and hop into the rent-a-car and, and you're there. From um, We actually flew into Albany, and from Albany it was about an hour and a half to two hours uh, to get to Cooperstown. It is a long ride, but it is every bit worth it. It was an amazing experience. Downtown Cooperstown, it, it kind of looks like time stopped in about the 1920s. It's, it's all the old architecture and all the shops are, are all family owned. It's uh, you know, privately owned. It's, uh, there's a bakery there that says it's been there since 1887. And of course, you've got Doubleday Field, which is recognized or uh, uh, bills itself as the birthplace of baseball. And just the, the history is just amazing. You can't really go anywhere in Cooperstown without running into somebody that, that wants to talk baseball with you. And the hall itself is just incredible. The memorabilia that is there, the history that is there from, you know, the early days of uh, just when, when leagues were just starting up and you, you had, you know, back to 1870s, 1880s, they have history going all the way back there. And, of course, it goes pretty much right up to the modern day, but just an amazing experience. So if you ever get the opportunity, Doug, and I, I think you should make it a trip, make it a vacation one year because it is really and truly an amazing place to go. 
Yeah, I think one of these next two summers, I'm going to have to find my way there by accident and take the family with and, oh, oh, look where we're at. You know, pull one of those, uh, <laughs> oh, I took a wrong turn, I think. Uh, you know, we were supposed to go how to. Did, how did uh, we get here? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Huh? This GPS is all messed up. Right. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good family vacation. Honestly, it's not really close to anything. The season starts in about Memorial Day, and it runs, I would guess, roughly through Labor Day. Very cold weather location. So once fall kind of turns to winter, I, I think it gets pretty inhospitable up there. But a lot to do. I, it, it does all revolve around baseball. But I think, uh, especially if it was during season, because there's a huge lake that's right there too, and you can take a canoe out, take a boat out, whatever, and just just have a good time. So yeah, I, I think it's a trip that that you need to make, and it's just a it's a, just a, a, a wonderful experience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and honestly, it's you know. As much as I've, baseball has been a part of my whole life, I've got to be there. Here in the next few years, it's going to happen. Yep. All right. Well, talk a little bit about some news now. We we we're uh, do kind we have of to? trumpeting the. Yeah. Well, we, this, this, <laughs> I'm going to talk about your Cubs first. I, I'm not okay. going to get to the Rays quite yet. We're going to talk about your Cubs first. Uh, you know, a guy named Chris Bryant. <laughs> oh, I, I hope you're going to talk about the video that uh, I saw yes, today. Uh, it's just a, exactly a piece of baseball gold. About. And, and, and it was beautiful. And, and if you haven't seen it, folks, Chris Bryant, after I think it was like 96, 97 plate appearances, finally connected for his first home run. And as he's circling the bases, you all have seen the the shtick where everybody, the rookie hits his first home run and he comes in the dugout and everybody pretty much ignores him, lets him walk by. Well, the Cubs took that to another level, Doug. They, well, go ahead, you tell the story. Go, go ahead, say what the Cubs did because I found it to be very, very funny. Well, he hits his first homer, and there's two runners on base, and it actually puts the Cubs ahead. So a long fly ball, just one of those majestic fly balls that he's going to hit a lot of with the you know the big frame and tall, long arms. Uh, and it, you see as he's rounding, uh, rounding, getting towards second base, you can ca- kind of see a bunch of action in the dugout in the background. And somebody's waving all the players, and they didn't just give him silent treatment. They all went back in the clubhouse. So Bryant finally finishes round in the bases, and as he goes in the dugout, he doesn't go to the main portion of the dugout. He actually goes back in the clubhouse to find him. It was just classic, <laughs> and it's one of the reasons I, you know, it's kind of a Bull Durham feel to it. It's what I really love about baseball is that, you know, I don't know, it's just a, a great personality to the game. Yeah, I think the only thing that would have been funnier, and this would have really required a lot of forethought by by Chris Bryant, would have been if he would have just pretended like those guys were still there and gone through and like did the, the air high fives and you know, the, the air fist bumps and everything and gone and sat down on the bench. <laughs> that probably would have been, that would have been even more classic than what it was, but no, that was a, that was a tremendous moment and very, very did, funny. I, I think I heard Anthony Rizzo was behind that and boy, it was, it was a classic. Beautiful. Well, well played. Did you see some of the videos from the day the Orioles played with no fans? I did not see any of the videos. Uh, obviously, that was well. That was the game before we were going to be in Baltimore to to see, and obviously those games were moved, so we did not yeah. go. But I heard it was absolutely eerie. Well, it was, but I guess uh, some of the Orioles were signing autographs for imaginary fans. Chris Davis oh, threw a foul ball into the stands, to, and it was mm. it was just uh, some some funny wow. eerie moments that you're never going to see again. I, I hope. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I hope to. That's that. That was something that, and I understood why they had to do it. But you know, let's just hope that that doesn't happen ever again because that was a um, yeah, that was a, a very serious moment. And uh, yeah, I, I heard that it was it was quite eerie watching a, watching an empty stadium. Uh, you know, major league game being played in an empty stadium. Talk about. Doug, one of your favorites. Uh, you liked this guy at the beginning of the season, and, boy, he had an amazing game today. Michael Pineda, 16 strikeouts and seven innings pitched. I I guess you liked this guy before. You're loving him now, huh? Well, I, you know, I, I heard some other fantasy experts talking about they just didn't see, you know, why people were so excited about Pineda. Uh, you know, trying to compare him to baseball's best pitchers, yeah, okay, he hasn't done it. He's been injured. But even last season, you know, how can you not you, – you realize what kind of potential he has, and he was going very late in draft, so I just didn't see that there was a downside. You know, they talk about risk-reward. There was no risk, and right now we're seeing the reward. And last year his strikeout rate was uh, – it was below seven, I think, so, which if you look at his stuff is ridiculous because he's got some of the best stuff in baseball. It may not be what it was when he was a rookie. He may have lost a little bit of bite on the slider, that type of thing. But he's still got some of the best stuff in baseball. And I think we're seeing right now it's coming together. He's learning how to pitch with what he's got, which is still great. And, uh, you know, the only question mark for me is still, you know, you you always have to worry about health, especially with a a pitcher who's already had issues. But I just don't see what's not to like right now. You know, if you ignore health issues, I think he's a top, you know, I think he borders lines on top 10, but definitely top 15 pitcher in baseball. Yeah, what amazes me, a lot of things amaze me about Pineda, but one of them is this is a huge man. He's yeah. a six foot seven and 270, 280 pounds. You know how many guys he walks? Like none. He's, I, I think 54 to three is a strikeout to walk ratio so far this year. Just amazing command. You see a guy that big and you think, well, you know, he's going to be all over the place with his stuff. He, yeah, he's got an overpowering fastball. That's not the case with Pineda. This guy, I think, has shown us when he is healthy, and that's the key, he can be as good as there is in the game. And right now, he is just really showing it. And, and you, you cross your fingers. I would really love to see what Michael Pineda could do with 200 innings in a season. And uh, he could be on the way to that. And I think we can see some, some really special things from, from Pineda. Another well, guy. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you know, I was just going to say that I, I believe Pineda and Edinson Valquez were rookies the same year, and the stuff was similar. Valquez, I don't know that he still has this kind of electric stuff, but he's always had good stuff. But you can watch the two, and you can just tell that everything about Pineda was focused, whereas everything about Valquez was kind of just just kind of flying out there, flapping in the wind. And uh, Pineda, is, right. you mentioned his command, he's very focused, and I don't have any worries about his command. So let's, like you say, just pray that he stays healthy. Yeah, and I know I've just real quick follow up on that. I, I I know I've talked about First Pitch Arizona on the show before, but there was a presentation at uh, First Pitch Arizona this year, and it talked about how to identify balance in in pitchers and how you could watch their delivery and identify you know well balanced or not so well balanced and such. And and it speaks to what you were just saying about watching a pitcher fly all over the place and such things like that. And actually, I do remember from that presentation that the Tampa Bay camera is considered to be one of the best as far as being able to actually rate the uh, the pitcher and, and get a good view of how balanced huh. the pitcher is. 
So on the subject of the Rays, and boy, uh, I hate to bring this up. Let's get the good <laughs> news first. Hey, Jake McGee. Jake McGee, good rehab starts. He's uh, working his way back. Uh, probably going to be back with the team. Yeah. Uh, what are we thinking? Week 10 days. Big question, though. Is he going to go back to closing? Kevin Cash has already said he will not just hand him the ninth inning. What do you think? That's tough. You know, before I would have I would have said that within a short time I think McGee would get it back, but I don't I don't have a read on what Cash is going to do. So uh, Jake McGee is not one of those left-handers you're going to just use against left-handers. He's he's good against everybody. If if he's back to what he was, he's not just a, a loogie as they say. Right. So, but I don't have a read on it. And, and Boxberger has done fine. So. It's going to be uh, something we have to watch. And we've talked about before how Boxberger can get out left-handers too. So, you know, if they wanted to move him back into a setup, that could work too. So all I know is that the Rays, one of the things they have going for them, about the only thing anymore, even though they're somehow battling it out, is their bullpen, once everybody gets, once McGee gets back in there, is is one of the best bullpens in baseball. Right. And although it failed them today, but you're right. It's been if you can get the ball to the bullpen, the Rays have done a really good job. And uh, Andrew Bellotti last night you know, picked up his first win. Uh, you, were you at that game? Yeah, I was. I worked that game, so uh, he looked oh, really good. good. He had a nice differential between the fastball and then some breaking stuff. You know, there was 12, 13 miles an hour difference, and that it, it obviously showed that he knows how to pitch. Was there any discussion about whether or not he would get the win? Because I, I heard on the telecast they said, "Well, it's it's uh, some discretion of the scorer." And I don't know. Did you hear any buzz going on about whether or not he would get? Because to me, there was no question. You got to give him I, the W. I, I think what might have happened if he was able to finish the game through the ninth inning, I think they might have given him the three inning save and then gave yeah. the win to uh, Geltz. But right. since he didn't, there was no doubt that he he was the pitcher that pitched the best and for the longest right. time. So, but uh, he might have gotten a save if he made the to the end. But he he had to get the win. Now for the bad news, and Rays fans had more than their share of bad news this week. Uh, Alex Cobb, Tommy John surgery done for the year plus. It'll probably be what, what did he say September of 2016 before we see him again. And, of course, Drew Smiley was just announced this week that uh, the torn labrum, right? He's going to be yeah. uh, out for sur- uh, shoulder surgery. We'll also miss the rest of the year. Um, just a, a, a devastating blow for a team that's built around pitching to lose these two guys, even though you're looking at Matt Moore coming back in July. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan, but it's going to be tough for this team to compete in the AL East without those two. Yeah, I mean, you can only hold it together with smoke and mirrors for so long. They've they, they've done a great job of competing early in the season, but you can't keep throwing out, you know, triple-A pitchers that have right. obvious flaws and expect to keep winning. It It's going to be tough. And the thing that concerns me, Tommy John surgery, it's for the most part, most pitchers are coming back and getting back to close to where they were. So, you know, uh, of course you're worried about Cobb, but at least we, we've seen plenty of pitchers come back. But with Smiley, the the shoulder stuff is sometimes it's not so pretty when they come back. Sometimes it just they just never that shoulder never gets to what it was before. So I'm a little concerned about Smiley that you know maybe we don't maybe we don't see him the way he was again. So a little worried about yeah. him. 
Yeah, and I know how it goes these days. Somebody, say, in, I don't know, July of 2015, somebody goes for Tommy John surgery. Everybody starts marking their calendars for July and August <laughs> of 2016. Oh, oh, you'll be back. It doesn't work that way. Um, Matt Harvey came back and has looked really, really good, but it doesn't always go that way where you just fast forward 13 months and they're back to being what they were again. We don't know about Jose Fernandez yet, who's a guy that's yeah. coming back this year. Matt Harvey was also like 18 or 19 months. Yeah. And it's 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 not always a successful turnaround. There are an awful lot of pitchers that had Tommy John that, that do not – Regain anything close to what they what they once were. Uh, what do you think? You ready to talk about some uh, some hot hitter starters? Oh, you know it. Uh, you know it kind of helps right. keep me on track with this season. Uh, doing a lot of daily fantasy, and sometimes you kind of lose track of what pitcher what what the hitters are doing over the course of a month. And after a month, you have to start at least thinking about making some kind of evaluations. It's not all just you know. It's still a small sample size, but you got to start putting your you know, basing your beliefs on something. Right. Folks, just a, a reminder, if you're listening to us tonight live and you are in our chat room and you would like to share your thoughts or ask a question, please feel free to do so. We have courteous and skilled operators standing by, and they will do their very best to make sure your questions, comments, or thoughts are shared with us on the air. By the way, you are listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder, the Roto Daddy himself, Doug Anderson. Facts and flukes are what we are talking tonight, hitters specifically. And, Doug, I'm going to start off right at the top, uh, speedster, that everybody was kind of looking to fall back in batting average and some of the other categories this year, and that's D. Gordon. Boy, he he has not fulfilled those uh, <laughs> those those uh, bust predictions, has he? No, not at all. Right now, I think he's got a little leg issue, which always worries you with speedsters. Yep. But you know, he'll get over that. I, you know, I think I've kind of fell into that too. Where uh, at the end of last season, I, I kind of saw his his 2014 season. I assumed that it really was a big first half. The first half was where all the numbers happened, and then the second half he tailed off. But really, if you look at his splits. For 2014, it's not as extreme as we think. I mean, he hit 292 in the first half and 284 in the second half, and really there were, in all, in most months, he hit 290 or above. So it was kind of, I think, one of those things where we all perceived that it was all a big first half, but it really wasn't. He had a good year in 2014, and he's just continued it to this point. You know, we're not. He's not going to do what he's doing now. He's not going to have that kind of average. But, you know, he, as long as he's stealing bases, he's going to hit for a decent average. And uh, he is what he was last year, I think. Yeah. The thing that is worrying me a little bit about Gordon is that he's, again, not taking any walks. He's got seven – or he had seven walks through his first 28 games, which, you know, that's going to – the OBP, the split on the OBP is only about 24 points. So – he was hitting 437 coming into play today, and let's just figure he's going to hit 285. I, I look at that with my pessimistic eye of thinking, oh, okay, that means he's going to hit uh, uh, you know, 255, 260 the rest of the way to end up at 285. Is this the year he hits three and a quarter? Uh, maybe, but I'm, I don't think I'm willing to, to make that jump just yet. He's uh, he, he's a good hitter, but uh, I don't I don't see 
you know, 325, 350 from him. But uh, definitely a uh, a guy that is going to help your fantasy cause speed-wise. Uh, another guy just got off to a torrid start, and uh, he also tends to swing at just about everything, is Adam Jones. Doug, you buying the hot start? Uh, I'm buying the last three or four years of Adam Jones. I'm not, you know... He's not going to do what he's doing now. He's not going to hit 350. But I, you know, I saw people early in the season worrying about Adam Jones because he swings at everything. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, but after you know how many seasons here we're we looking at, let's see, going back to 2010, he's hit 284, 280, 287, 285, 281. Right. I think by now he is what he is. We're not, you know, he's not old. He's Let's see, 29 years old, going to be 30 years old soon. You know, he doesn't run as much as we'd all like. He could. He's a gazelle out there in center field. But he is what he is. So he's going to give you a good average. It's going to probably be between 280 and 290. He's going to hit his 28 to 32 home runs. And I think you just take that to the bank and, and you don't worry about it. If someone wants to buy for his 355 average right now as, you know, one of the top hitters in baseball, maybe you sell high. But I, th- I think most smart fantasy owners know who he is. Yeah, and Jones, like you said, everything that gets gets anywhere close, he takes a cut at, and drives me nuts with the Rays. We we had <laughs> Jones beat us the other night on a, on a I think it was on a one two pitch. We actually threw him a strike, and I don't understand why we ever throw Adam Jones a strike. Yeah, he's a good bad ball hitter because you have to be to walk as little as he does. So, you know, make him hit a bad pitch. He, he he beat us the other night on a on a what was quite honestly a one two cookie. You know, a thigh high cookie. I was like, What in the world? You know, be being the fan there, why on earth do you throw this young man a strike when you're up one two in the count? But you know, people do. And yeah, you're right. He is what he is. He's twenty, twenty five home runs and yeah, I wish he was stealing fifteen, eighteen bases again, but he's not gonna do that. But just a good solid all around hitter. Not going to hit 325. If he does, we may have to change what we what we think about him. But uh, I don't think so. Well, I, I think right I like now. Go ahead. Sorry, right now his his batting average on balls and plays at 371. Over the last four years, it's always been between 300 and 312, 313. So it's it's out of line with what he's done in the past. So it's he'll come back down to earth. But you know, like you say, he, he is what he is. Yep. And uh, now, a guy who is really off to a nice start, and, and I like him, but what he has done in the last few years is he's not given us the power that he did earlier in his career. And I'm talking about Adrian Gonzalez. But now this year, whole different story. We're talking nine home runs through his first 29 games. And doing a little extrapolation there, that is 40 home runs plus. What do you think? Do we buy in that the 30-plus home runs are back for Gonzalez, or is this just a hot run and he's going to go a couple of months and hit two or three each month? Well, I think you're going to see last year he hit 27. You know, he's already slowed down. He had five home runs in the first, what was it, the first three, five games of the year, something along those lines. So, yeah, I mean, he's already slowed down. So, but I think you're going to see that 26 to 32 home runs that, like we saw last year, and he's just—he's gotten so boring that I think he's gotten undervalued in fantasy, and people forget that you can just write that 100 RBI, 100 RBIs in the bank. It's all there, so you just 
appreciate him for what he is. I think after last year, people realized it. So he he was a, went a little earlier in drafts this year, but once again, it, just kind of like an Adam Jones, you just you draft him and you know what you're getting. He's not at an age yet where I'm too worried. He's 33, so I think we're looking at a couple more years of pretty solid production before you have to start worrying. Yeah, and. You're, you're going to, even if you don't get the 40 home runs, you're going to get an awful lot from Adrian Gonzalez. He's one of those guys that just keeps rolling along, rolling along, rolling along, not very flashy. And you look up and he's, you know, hit 20, 25 home runs. He's knocked in 100 and he's hit whatever, 280, 285. Nothing wrong with that at all. But it would be nice if we could get that 30 plus home runs back again. And I'm, I'm going to say that he's going to do it this year. I'm going to say that we're going to see north of 30 home runs from Gonzalez and, I just uh, I just get a feeling in watching him. Yeah, he had a hot start, but I think that it's it's back this year. I don't think you're going to see low twenties out of it. Guy that has surprised everybody is uh, he has catcher eligibility now, and I'm talking about Stephen Vogt. He is uh, a guy that is he. I, I don't want to say that he's kind of come out of nowhere, but uh, if I recall, he was a member <laughs> of the Rays uh, not too long ago, and. Uh, he is flat tearing it up uh, coming into games uh, this uh, today, hitting 322 with an OBP of 415, seven home runs in 29 games. Uh, what what to make of this guy? Talk about coming out of nowhere. He's flat out done it. Well, I rem- what I remember about Stephen Vogt as a Ray was that he went, he had 25 at bats with the Rays and never got a hit. Yep. <laughs> he went hitless for his Rays career. And he, he wasn't a highly touted prospect, but if you look at what he did last year, we're talking, you know, nine home runs and 269 at-bats. So the pop is there, and with, with the catcher eligibility, he hit 279 last year, so he's not going to, you know, hurt you too much in batting average. I think this year we'll see if he can keep that up over a season while he's, while he's a full-time catcher because he's played a lot of first in his career and mixed in with catching. So I think we'll see if he wears down so if he keeps this up at the all-star break maybe then i start selling high at least in uh non-keeper leagues so but i'm buying in you know right now the number of catchers who are hurt it's just depressing to look at the catcher position and you're trying a bunch of these rookie catchers out and guys like roberto perez from cleveland or carlos perez from you know the angels and you're kind of just hoping for somebody who won't hurt you and vote right now is he might have the best number of any catcher going. You know, he's I don't I don't like him better than Buster Posey, but other than Posey, who do you take over vote right now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a guy that I drafted in some deeper leagues, and I drafted him for a different reason than what he's given us right now, and that's DJ LeMayu from the Rockies. I, I figured, yeah, DJ is going to steal me, you know, ten, fifteen bases. Nice guy, you know, in a fifteen, twenty team league to grab at the end of the draft, just as kind of a, a middle infielder. He's hitting three sixty. Now, I, I'm not buying that, but are, are we going to see a guy that is going to be three hundred, three ten this year? You think, Doug? I don't think so. He hasn't shown that kind of history in recent years. Now, his minor league numbers at certain stops were pretty impressive, and he has shown the ability to hit for average, and playing Colorado does not hurt. But, you know, 360, or 267 last year, 280 the year before, I, I, I got to think he's going to get below 300. But then again, those stolen bases might come too. And middle infield, you know, we talk about it being shallow, 
But then when you get a guy like LeMahieu, put his numbers up against some of the middle tiers, like there's no difference hardly. And if you didn't get one of your favorite second basemen, it wasn't a bad choice to kind of, I guess, settle for LeMahieu playing in Colorado. It's, It's not a bad deal. Yeah, and what's strange is that, or maybe not strange but notable, is that LeMahieu splits, not only are they not extreme, they're reverse. He is hitting 349, 843 OPS at Coors Field. On the road, he's hitting 370, 877 OPS. So he's not a guy that you just, you automatically pencil him in either way if he's going to play for you. He's not somebody that you take out of your lineup just because he's not playing in Coors Field. So I, I really haven't figured what to make of LeMahieu yet. Like you said, good good batting average numbers. I think he's like a 280-283 career hitter. Uh, so why not? You know, let's ride ride this pony while it's running fast. And if uh, LeMahieu cools off, there's other options out there. But while he's going right now, let's uh, let's give him a chance. Why not? Uh, another second baseman we want to talk about. Boy, this is a guy that I really like a lot. Uh, plays for uh, Toronto, and that's uh, Devin Travis. Good power-speed combination. Uh, he's cooled off a little bit since uh, since a hot start, but still he's sitting through uh, 29 games. He was sitting seven home runs, 24 runs batted in, 284 average. I see a guy here that – and the other thing I see about him is a good OBP split. His OBP right now is 355, so he's not somebody that swings at everything. He's somebody that has a decent batting eye, plus he's going to give you some pop. Hasn't stolen a ton of bases yet, only two, but his track record in the minors shows that he's certainly capable of stealing a dozen bases. What do you think about Travis? Oh, I love Devin Travis. I got to see him this spring in in Dunedin for some of the the Blue Jays spring training games. I I think he he might have a couple years here of, uh, you know, 10 to 15 stolen bases. But I think what you're going to see is certain hitters, I think their their power actually plays better in the major leagues where pitchers are around the plate a little more. And I think you're going to see, especially as he's he's got the type of build, I think that power is going to be a bigger part of his game as as he moves along and the speed probably a little less. He's not a he's not a slender speedster. He's a solidly built player, but I I love this guy's bat and right now you know, his batting average on balls in play is only at 296, so it's not like he's had a lucky streak here. So the batting average, he's going to probably hit in the 280s or around that neighborhood. And I really think, you know, I know he's got a good head start with the seven homers so far, but I think he's got a chance to pop close to 20 this year, and who knows from there. But yeah, definitely uh, the people who drafted him, you probably got him for free, basically in a draft, yeah. or you got him for the free agency in a typical mixed league. So you got to like what you're getting. And I don't think it's you know he might slow down a little bit on the power front, but to me he's a real hitter and he's he's right there in that middle tier of middle infielders. Yeah, and if you drafted say oh Anthony Rendon, uh, Devin Travis is really helping <laughs> to save your season right now because he's doing things from the second base position. Hey, is that the phone, Doug? Oh, it is. It is our fantasy phone here. I think somebody's on the line. Where did you put the Just... phone? I can't find the phone. Is it around I here somewhere? I think it's in the couch. It's under the pillow. Check under the pillow. There you go. Oh, there it is. Hello, is this well, Ryan? Who might Hell? It be? Hello, Ryan. We got you on air. Yes, we do. Hello there. How oh, are we doing? Trout. How you doing tonight, Ryan? Folks, we are proud to welcome into the Cyber Studio a gentleman who has been writing about fantasy sports 
For over a decade, he started with his own blog, Fighting Chance Fantasy Sports. Throughout the years, he has been published all over the web and in print, from Fantasy Alarm, USA Today, Sports Weekly, Bruno Boys Fantasy, DFS Edge, among others. You can follow him on Twitter at Fighting Chance. Please join me in saying hello to Mr. Ryan Hallam. Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. It is an absolute pleasure for uh, to, for you to have you here in the cyber studio with us. Tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days. Now, you've been doing a little bit of work over at so-called fantasy experts, but uh, what's uh, what's going on in the world of Ryan Hallam this, these days? Well, right now I'm recovering from a 90-degree day here in uh, the great state of New York. I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> regulate the temperature in the house as we are all sweating. But uh, things, things are going well. Doing an article a week for the uh, so-called fantasy experts and doing another one over at Brutal Boys at uh, Stock Up, Stock Down. So, uh, you know, I'm j- jumping in and, and doing a couple things in a couple different places just trying to get the name out there and some information. Don't know if you were listening to the beginning of the show, but I just got back from upstate New York, a little town called Cooperstown. And quite I'm, a, quite I'm about a, an hour and a half from there, probably. Oh, there we go. Quite, quite a beautiful area. If, if it wasn't for the nine-month winters up there, I think I could probably live up there. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. But if Doug and I <laughs> yeah, both we, living in Florida, the whole 90-degree thing for us in Florida, it, that, that pretty much describes May through September here. So <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it's not. But it's, uh, it was absolutely beautiful up there. It's a beautiful uh, area of the country, and it's, uh, it's a place I hope to go back to sometime soon. Uh, absolutely yeah. beautiful. It's very nice, and yeah, we're, I'm about 100 miles outside the city, so I'm not a New York City folk. Uh, yep. But Cooperstown is very nice. We did have a, another a second consecutive completely brutal winter this this year. It was below zero for about I don't know 15, 16 days straight. So, I'm not complaining too much about the the warmth right now. Yeah, we were hearing about that, and what really struck me because we flew into Albany, what struck me there is there were these sticks like these antennas on the fire hydrants. And I guess that was yeah. so when it, when it snows, you know where to dig. Yeah, <laughs> it, that, that it is was, exactly what it's for. I, I went by there and I said, why in the world would they have a radio antenna on the fire? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden it kicked in. I was like, hey, wow, how about that? And it's something that, that you know, we Florida guys, it's, it's kind of tough for us to relate to. But, uh, again, just, just absolutely beautiful and, and do hope to go back again sometime soon. Talk a little bit about the article you've got up on uh, so-called fantasy experts right now. It's called uh, Waking Up with uh, Evan Gaddis, right? That's the one for, from this, this past week. I like to try to uh, have some sort of theme just with my, you know, real or fake uh, first week it was uh, women and breasts. This week it's beer goggles that we've all dealt with in our lives. You, you think you're doing yeah. something much better than you really are. And, you know, same thing happens in fantasy baseball. You look at a guy who's having a good week or so, and all of a sudden you're thinking you got yourself your next gem off the fantasy wire. Two weeks later, you know, you have some pig next to you that you wish that you could just, you know, would lose your number. So took a look <laughs> at six different guys and tried to decide which one of those two that they were. Now, we're, we're talking right now about hot starts, uh, guys that have really gotten off the hot starts. And you talked about one that, boy, I like an awful lot. And I don't, he's actually, which is kind of surprising, given he plays in L.A., he's kind of flying under the radar, and that's Jock Peterson. Talk a little about, about this young man and what you think his future might be. Yeah, he was, uh, he was one of the more coveted rookies coming into the year. But I think people really were – a little skeptical to jump in on him fully. You know, the drafts that I was doing, he was going 
a little later than I expected, and he just he had all kinds of tools in the minors. I think it was you know all the all the hype was in the guys for the Cubs, and so he was flying a little over the radar because there. But I think his power was legit in the minors, and it just it seemed like uh, it was just a matter of time before he started showing it at L.A. and, and it didn't take him too long to do it. He you know started off a little slow power wise, but I mean he's been hitting you know high two eighties, two nineties for most of the season, and then all of a sudden. But a week and a half or so ago, the tower started, and it's coming in an incredible wave uh, that obviously he can't keep up, you know, the rate at which he's hitting home runs right now. But I think he's showing right away that he's able to deal with major league pitching, and he is going to be for real for a long time. Yeah. Doug, I know you and I have talked about Jock Peterson before, and I know your feelings on him, but what what do you think in these days? You, you modified your thoughts any on him or, or no? Well, he's he's obviously showed us a little something. I think I think the reason people were a little hesitant, if you look at the strikeout rates, first of all, he played in the Pacific Coast League, so you always got to try to figure out, you know, talking about real or fake, you know, is that hitting real or is it a in a, a a result of the Pacific Coast League? But you look at the strikeout rate last year in AAA was at twenty six point nine percent, so the strikeouts were concerned. Now you see this year that the strike he's striking out one in every three at-bats. So it's still a concern, and I think that's why we're seeing the batting average come down. But what what you look at is you see that his on-base percentage, similar to how Chris Bryant is doing. Chris Bryant's not hitting with power yet, but he gets on base, and that's what Peterson is doing. So you got the power, you got the getting on base, so he's going to score a ton of runs. So he's he's a more complete player than I gave him credit for i still think you're going to see a batting average of 250 or below but you're not going to complain about that too much with everything that comes along with it yeah and i kind of, oh, go ahead. i'm sorry i've taken my focus away from strikeout rate a little bit in the past few years just because everyone strikes out at such a ridiculous rate i mean if you're talking like chris carter Evan Gaddis rate, obviously that's a concern. But, you know, <laughs> no one seems to care about striking out anymore, so it seems like everyone does it at a fairly frequent weight. So not that it's not something that I don't look at as much as I used to, but I think the focus I put on it is a little bit less than I used to. Folks, you're listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Love Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder Doug Anderson and veteran fantasy sports writer Ryan Hallam. We are talking fact or fluke tonight, reviewing some players that are off to either very hot or very cold starts and why you should believe or not believe the numbers. Ryan, another fellow you mentioned in the hot starts in your latest article on so-called fantasy experts from the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, Kevin Pillar. Talk a little bit. Boy, great defender, first of all. Man, he's he just made some web gems. But talk a little bit about what Kevin Pillar brings to the table. He's a, yeah, he's a great defender, which is always going to keep him in the game, which is, you know, a lot of people say defense isn't a part of fantasy sports, but it definitely is because if you're committing enough errors, that is going to hurt your playing time. So when you're actually very good at offense, it's going to keep you in the lineup, uh, even if you're not necessarily hitting so much. You know, he's a, he's a little bit of a pop, more of a speed guy. You know, you'd love to see like a 10-25 season out of him. He's off to a good start hit for a good average. The, the problem with him is is the position he plays. Uh, you know, there's outfield, there's such a just a, a vast array of guys that play the position, and you kind of need someone who specializes in something. So you need an outfielder who's going to steal 
40, 50 bases if he's not going to hit home runs. So I don't know if Pilar is as good as he is, and I have him on, on two of my three teams currently. Uh, I don't know if he's going to have long-sustaining success for a fantasy player just because of the position. He's, he's going to give you a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and if you're in a seasonal league and, you know, either maybe you have five outfielders or you have somebody who goes on the DL for a while, he's going to be a nice villain. But I don't know if I'd want him playing necessarily every day for me. Doug, what are your thoughts on Kevin Pillar? Well, I got kind of a bone to pick with Kevin Pillar because he's uh, one of the reasons that, you know, one of my favorite spark plug type players is down in the minor leagues in Dalton Pompey. But if you look at Kevin Pillar's minor league numbers, he was a good player. You know, he's got pretty decent on-base skills. It's been kind of an up-and-down career, but last year in AAA, you're talking 10 home runs in uh, 434 plate appearances. So it's it's a little bit above pop that, you know, if he can translate to the major leagues, stole 27 bases. Like Ryan says, there's a lot of moving parts in Toronto. So I, I think you enjoy it while it lasts. It could last all season. But if Pompey gets hot, Pilar cools down a little bit, Michael Saunders and his injuries. So I, I think Ryan hit it on the head where it's hard to 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 lay out what he's going to do for the rest of the year. But he he's shown the talent that he could continue this type of pace. Yeah, and uh, now not only that with Pilar, too, I guess um, Michael Saunders is uh, back on the DL. So he's yeah. going to get the playing time. So yeah, I think there's a there's a very real possibility here that Pilar's going to get the playing time. And if he's getting the playing time, of course, especially in deeper leagues, it's, uh, opportunity is the uh, kind of the first uh, first stone in the path to success. Uh, talk a little bit, Ron. Let's let's kind of shift gears here, and we're going to talk about some players that have gotten off to some cold starts. And Ryan, we're going to talk about the guy that was uh, the the subject of the article or the title of the article. And that, of course, is Evan Gaddis. Talk a little bit about uh, about Gaddis. You know, we spoke about him a, a little while ago, and, you know, the first thing you think of when you think about Gaddis is the strikeouts because he has done yeah. so at an incredible rate throughout his major league career. Uh, we've seen his batting average go down, you know, each of the years he's been in the league. Uh, you know, he's always been someone people have looked at because of the catcher eligibility. I mean, let's face it, if he was just an outfielder, right. you know, he would get a lot less uh, attention than he does now. Uh, so as long as he holds on to that, he's going to have some value. He was, I believe, 20 or 21 at-bats before he hit his, got his first hit of the season. So he's got a long way to dig his batting average, even back to the 20 it was last year. But all of a sudden he flashed some power in the last week or so. I think he's up to five now. And, you know, that was enough for me to at least say, yeah, I think he can get back to 20 this year. Batting average is never going to be good. You don't draft that guys for his batting average. But, nope. you know, the first two weeks of the season, we were scared. I was scared. Maybe you know, maybe we're looking at a 190 average eight home run type of season. But he woke up enough to, to get my uh, confidence back that we're probably looking at another 220, 230 with 21, 22 home runs. Doug, what do you think? You buying in? I'm buying in as long as he's got the catcher eligibility. One of the positive things we're seeing this year, last year it seemed like there were, you know, every week we're talking about Gaddis has a stiff back, he's on the DL for back spasms, that type of thing. I haven't heard any of that this year, so I think obviously the time out from behind the plate has helped health-wise. You know, he's going to have that power. He He's just one of those hitters. I usually don't put too much stock into hot streaks, cold streaks. You know, sometimes it's just – it's all flukes of different sample size. But I think with Gaddis, he's just one of those hitters who he's going to go a month and look terrible. 
but then the next month he might hit 12 home runs in a month, do something crazy like that. He's just one of those hitters, and if you're in a season-long league, you just stick him in your catcher slot while he's still got that, and you just let him go. You know, Last year he actually hit 263, which was about the best you could ever expect. I'd expect more along the lines of 235, at you know 240 at the highest. But you just stick them in, and, and you let the home runs come, and they're going to come in bunches when they do come. Yeah, if I recall, that uh, he had a really, really bad second half, and that's that's usually a, an alarm signal to me, especially a hitter that kind of breaks out and has a really down second half. Sometimes that leads me to believe that, hey, they adjusted to you, and uh, you're going to have a hard time getting back to where you were in the first half. Doug, going to stay with you and talk about the guy whose slow start has been headline news because if you have him on your team, you made a major investment in either draft day or at the auction. Talking about Andrew McCutcheon, what do you make of his slow start? He's gotten a little bit better here recently, but still, I think he's hitting 220 coming into play today. That's not what we expect from Kutch. To me, it just it, it has to be about that knee. You know, he's had a gimpy knee. You know, I think starting at the end of last year, he had some issues with it. Um, So, to me, it's just got to be about that knee. So, if you see, you know, if we see him get going, listen for news about the knee. Because I just can't believe this is a hitter who doesn't really have cold streaks. You know, he's hit over 317, 327 the last few years. So, I just don't buy it. He's got one stolen base right now. You know, that's not him. He stole 18 last year, and he's been higher than that before. So I got to believe it's got to do with health and with a knee that scares me. I know in the um, labor mixed league, I've gotten someone trying to sell me uh, McCutcheon, you know, for a a pretty good player and then some more. And I'm not buying right now because the knee is just too scary. You know, we've seen other good hitters with knee issues, and you just the power goes away. You know, maybe they can't pull inside pitches. Right now it's just scary, and if I've got them, I'm keeping them, but I'm not going out looking for them. Ryan, what do you think? If somebody came to you with, let's say, 75-80% of his normal value offer on McCutcheon right now, do you think you would take it, or do you believe that he's going to bounce back and and be the same guy we we know? You know, it probably depends on where I am in the standings. If I have to make a move, like if I'm off to my whole team is off to a slow start and I have to make a move, I might consider it. If I'm still sitting towards the top, I probably not. I, you know, I was thinking the same thing as Doug. It, it's got to be. If, if it's not an injury, then it's just a, it, then it's heat coming around because he's the kind of guy you just don't worry about. You know, those, those guys that you draft, those first five, six guys, you just go with them. There's nothing, there's nothing else you can do. Uh, you know, you, when you put that sort of commitment into a guy, and, and like and another thing Doug said, just he's just been the model of consistency and. It's the only thing. The only explanation I can take is that he's, you know, there's injury issues that we don't know about. Other than that, he's coming around. Yep. And Ryan, I'm going to ask you about another guy that, quite honestly, I seem like I see him on sleeper lists like about every year because he'll miss some time with injury or whatever. Oh, he's going to bounce back. He's going to bounce back. I am not a Jay Bruce believer, and I know we always talk about oh, he's going to hit 40 home runs one year and such and such and such, and it's just not happening. And what do, what do you think, Ryan? Is, is Jay Bruce kind of a lost cause as far as fantasy baseball go? Are we ever going to see a, a 275 average from this guy, or are we? No, expecting no. You'll, I don't think you'll ever see a 275 average out of the guy. But you're, I believe you'll see 30 home runs again. I know he looked yeah. lost a lot last year, but I don't know. There's some guys with power. I don't believe that just they just forgot how to hit home runs. 
Uh, you know, everyone has a down year and there's some injury problems last year, but uh, I'll take I'll take Doug's line from the last <laughs> the McCutcheon. I'm not going to look for him, but if I have him, I still have confidence in. Him. Yeah, you know, I want to I want to backtrack here real real quick, guys. I, I I hate doing this, but there's somebody that we absolutely have to talk about that is a hot starter, and I skipped right <laughs> over him when we were going through this, but I have to do this for Doug and only for Doug. <laughs> Doug, talk to me about. The greatness that is Bryce Harper. <laughs> oh, everybody knows my love for this guy. Actually, it's not. Uh, uh, he's the most. He's been voted by Major League Baseball players as the most overrated <laughs> player. And as much as maybe the general fan has overrated him, I've had to read over the years about how great Bryce Harper is, and people drafting him in the first round in you know his second year. And then he has a bad year or doesn't quite do what you – and then they start talking about, well, he's only 19, he's only 20. That's the reason you don't draft him in the first round. Now, <laughs> the numbers now are good. He, You know, the talent is obvious. And this is actually the first year where I've actually got him in one league, and I came close in others where, you know, I he fell far enough to where I liked that there was some upside in the draft. But with that said – He's still hitting 240 against left-handed pitchers, and I don't think, you know, he hasn't stolen a base yet. So this five-tool talent we're talking about can't hit left-handers and can't steal a base. You're going to get the power as long as he's healthy? Another question mark. But, you know, I I like him as far as if you take him at a left-handed power hitter who won't kill you in batting average, but he's not a five-tool talent, people. He's not going to steal bases anymore. His health can't take it. So, you know, yeah. He's going to be a good hitter, but he's he's still not my favorite guy. Ryan, would you, would you like to opine on on Bryce Harper before we I move would, on to our next? Uh, I would starter? a couple. Some some I'm going to agree, and some I'm going to disagree. Here's the problem with Bryce Harper: we as a group have become prospect obsessed. We are following these guys from when they're they're so far from the major leagues. They're not it's not even funny. So there's so much hype. By the time they get to the major leagues. Yeah. They can't possibly live up to the standards. Look at Chris Bryant. Do you remember the day he came up? They wanted to close schools. It was so exciting. <laughs> For a guy who had never been played in the major leagues before. I mean, we're, we're writing off Bryce Harper, and he's 22 years old. He's like, you know, like Doug said, you saw him draft in the first round. You're lasted as the first outfielder in, in rankings articles. It was ridiculous. It was standards he couldn't possibly live up to. So, it's, you know, don't hate on Bryce Harper. It's not his fault. It's our fault. But, you know, this, I believe – I also can't say he's not going to steal bases at 22. I mean, he should just be coming up to the majors. His legs can't already be dead. I just, His legs are 32. Going, <laughs> 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 he, he, you know, five-pool superstar, you may be right. I mean, maybe he's going to top out at 10, 12 stolen bases. I don't know. But I think we are more to blame than Bryce Harper is to blame. Uh, I, I found myself – you know how – I feel about Chris Bryant like you feel about Bryce Harper. I got so upset the day he came up because the hype was just ridiculous. I couldn't deal with it. I root against the guy now just because of it, and I feel bad because it's not his fault. But I think Bryce, that's Bryce Harper is a victim of us, not necessarily of himself. Yeah. I think he's going to be a good player uh, I, if he, you know, if the hype can finally get down a little bit. I agree completely, especially on Bryant. I mean, the hype was incredible. I don't think he's going to hit more than probably 45 home runs this year. 
You know, and people, you know, I wrote on Twitter the day he came up. <laughs> He's got to hit 176 home runs for you people to be happy. I mean, you set him up to fail. Yeah, but they were all cheapies. They weren't. They weren't good home runs. They were. They were cheapies. They just barely. You know, he got finally it. got his first one. I saw they emptied the dugout. That was pretty cool. Uh, Doug, we now return to our regularly scheduled programming. Would you like to opine on Jay Bruce? Who? Oh, Jay Bruce. Uh, Jay, uh, Jay Bruce. I've never been a Jay Bruce fan because the, if you look at the swing, you know, it's obvious that he's not going to hit for average. I, he actually surprised me a little bit hitting over 250. But I'm with Ryan on this one. The power is still there. Last year was mostly uh, uh, the result of uh, a knee surgery that he came back too soon from. So I think you're going to see by the end of the year, he's going to have 25 to 30 homers. I don't like the batting average, but the Reds lineup is good enough. He's going to have solid RBI. So I'm not worried about what he's done so far. He is that the power hitter with the low average, and that's what I'd buy him as. So I'm not worried about him. You know, it's it's too soon to say he's done. But Bryce Harper is. Uh, Another... <laughs> Another power hitter that's really been slow to get going this year is Jose Batista. Doug, anything to be worried about with him, or are we just waiting for him to go on a streak? I, I think he's he's just one of those hitters we just have to wait for. You know, he's had injury problems in the past, but other than like a, a couple nagging things, I haven't heard about anything this year. So I, you know, in that lineup, I, it's going to happen. So I, you just sit on him and you wait for the big fourteen homer month. Yeah, Ryan, is that a good I, strategy? I agree to an extent. My my concern with him is he's starting to get a little long in the tooth, and these mm-hmm. nagging injuries seem to take a little longer to come back from and hang around a little bit longer. I, I still think yes, this year it's coming, but uh, you know, co- going forward in, in sixteen, seventeen, I think he's the guy you really have to start getting worried about soon. Yeah. And uh, speaking of injuries, uh, let's talk about Carlos Gonzalez. Boy, just just a horrible start. He's a guy that. You know, it was always about the health, but when he was on the field, you could typically count on him to produce some pretty good numbers. Has not been the case this year. Uh, I personally, I'm worried about Cargo, Ryan. What uh, What do you think? Am I overreacting? I declared him dead to me this year. <laughs> this, this, last year was it. I really? I, I, yeah, done. I'm done with him. I'm not touching him. You can't give him to me. It's just the, the guy's too young. You would see Bryce Harper's knees are 40. His are 60. And I, I know. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with cargo. I can't do it anymore. Um, you know, even the value comes down. I mean, if, if let me if he were to hit the waiver wire, which is not going to happen, yes, I would scoop yeah. him up. But I, uh, yeah, uh, I wrote the obituary to Carlos Gonzalez for me this year. Wow, Doug, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, sadly, you know, uh, he fell pretty far in drafts this spring, so I liked yeah. him as kind of an a, a proven upside player, but. It's getting harder and harder to buy that, you know. You mentioned the knees, and eh, you just have to think that the wear and tear—it's it, taken its toll because he's really shown no spark at all so far. You got to like a guy who plays in Colorado, but you also have to wonder about a guy who's got several other pretty good outfielders there. So uh, it's getting hard to hold much hope, honestly. I, I, if he doesn't break out in the next in next few weeks, I. I he, He's done as far as a definitely as far as a consistent starter, I think. The other thing, if I may, one more thing. Another thing that bothers me about guys, and when I start to really get annoyed with them, if they have injuries that they're supposed to be out X number of days, weeks, and then it 
two to three to four weeks past that because they have setbacks and can't quite get themselves back in the field, that's when I that's when I really start to get concerned, and that's happened to him on more than one occasion. He's supposed to be out three weeks, and he's out six. So that's yeah. uh, that's when I really start to just, you know, lose it with the guy. Doug, I'm going to give you a Houston doubleheader. How would that be? We'll give you give you a couple guys from Houston to talk about, and then we'll throw it over to Ryan and see what he thinks. Guy that boy, everybody liked coming into this year is uh, George Springer. Everybody is talking, you know, tw- uh, thirty home runs, twenty stolen bases, just just predicting all kinds of great things for him. Hasn't turned out that way. Another guy everybody was looking for big power numbers from is Chris Carter. And neither of those two, the, the thing they're really doing is, is missing at a, at a historic rate. What, uh, what to make of these two guys? Houston is, is off to a real nice start, but it hasn't really been because of Carter and Springer. Well, I, I, I'm not worried about Springer. Honestly, the power is going to come. I'm actually encouraged by Springer. I mean, right now he's out with the concussion type thing, not playing. But as long as that's all good, I'm not worried about Springer. He's going to hit his 230, 240. He's going to hit a ton of homers. He's got 10 stolen bases right now. Nobody realizes that. The guy is running. So I'm encouraged. I'm actually looking to get Springer in a lot of leagues, especially where I, I, I can afford the batting average. So Springer I'm not worried about. It's a, I'm a little disappointed in Carter because we saw in the second half of last year, it looked like he kind of made a little bit of a, a turn and was starting to, to do some things better. But we're seeing this year that it's the same old Chris Carter. He's probably going to still get his 25, 30 homers. But I had a little bit of hope that he was a little something more, and I, I think those hopes are probably dashed by now. Yeah, Ryan, what do you think about these two? Should we be concerned and maybe looking to uh, unload them at a discount, or maybe should we be actually seeking to go get them at a discount? I hate to be boring, but I actually have to agree with Doug on both of them. Uh, Springer <laughs> has, has got a world of talent. Uh, we know it's coming. It hasn't come yet, and right now, yeah, he's a great guy, I think, to go get right now before good things happen. The 10 stolen bases are, are very nice. But I think the people who have him were looking for more power and haven't gotten it, and you could probably get him a little cheap at the moment. Uh, Carter, same kind of thing as, as Gaddis and Bruce. I mean, if you draft him, you draft him as a guy you knew who was going to have a terrible batting average to hit you a bunch of home runs. I mean, he's way behind schedule now with having, what, one on May 10th. So you're not going to get the 38 that he hit last year. Maybe you're looking more at 28. I think the home runs are coming. But uh, the Mendoza line is probably going to be real close too. Yeah. And, Ryan, before you came on, we were talking about Stephen Vogt, who has catcher eligibility. And a guy that is off to – and that's a big part of his fantasy attraction. A guy who does not have catcher eligibility anymore and is off to just a horrible start is Mike Napoli from Boston. Uh, he, he caught – it was over 500 games in his career. Are we just looking at a player who is in a career decline right now and we're, we're never going to see a serviceable batting average from him again? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't believe you're going to. I think he's definitely on the decline. Uh, minus catcher eligibility, first base eligibility is not going to to give you anything you can really count on. I mean, when they're when they're hitting National League parks, a lot of times they do actually throw Dave Ortiz out there to try to keep his bat in the, in the lineup. And the way the way uh, Napoli's hitting, you, you can almost point that a certainty. Uh, like you said, 500 games on your knees. It's going to wear on a guy after a while. He's been having injury problems and, and inconsistency, and his batting average has plummeted. Home runs are starting to go down, and, yeah, I don't think we're going to see the return of Mike Napoli. 
Doug, what do you think about Napoli? Doug, what do you think about Napoli? I have a deep, dark confession, actually, to make about Napoli. I bought into spring training hype. I, I heard oh, about surgery that he had for sleep apnea. Being a sufferer of some sleep apnea myself, knowing how much it can zap your energy, I said, Mike Napoli is in for the bounce back year, back to the 25-plus home runs when he was, the, was with the Rangers. I don't know. Maybe he's sleeping too well because he's sleeping through half the season. But uh, I, I'm really disappointed, and I have to think there's better ahead. But this this incredible breakout that I was expecting, I, I'm I'm quickly realizing it's not going to happen. Ryan, is there anybody else you would like to talk about who's been either a very hot or a very cold starter? Um. Nelson Cruz, I guess. I'm surprised how many home runs he's hitting in Seattle. I was, I was kind of thinking that in preseason, I was thinking, okay, let's see what Seattle did to Robin uh, Cano. Uh, watch it follow yep. suit with with Cruz, but that's 14, I believe. I don't know if he'll get to 40 again, but I'm I'm surprised he's off to the start that he is power wise. Well, it is. It's definitely sap. The home runs are only clearing the fence by 10 feet instead of by 30, <laughs> like they did before he was in Seattle. Uh, joking aside, take a look at the splits. He is not hitting a lot of home runs in Seattle. He has just been very, very good on the road. I think it's 11 to three. So Seattle, he is not hitting the home runs there. So I I don't want to say bench him when he's in Seattle, but just lower your expectations as far as home runs go. Doug, anybody else uh, you want to talk about hot starter, cold starter? Well, cold starter, I'm not sure. It might be too late to to get the value that you might have got earlier, but one player I'm look, on the lookout for is Ryan Braun. Had the terrible start. Um, the couple big games may have shot some of the buy-low value, but I still think his numbers are kind of low enough where you can get a, a good value there. I think we're going to see uh, a pretty good player out of Braun, not the uh, – pre-suspension and all the controversy, Ryan Braun. But I still think we're going to see a 25 home run plus guy who's going to drive in a lot of runs and a score a lot. So Ryan Braun and George Springer are probably two of the players that I'm on the lookout for, seeing if their owners are a little bit frustrated with them. Fantastic. Ryan, before we close, how can people stay in touch with you, either Facebook, Twitter, or website? Um. Mostly Twitter at this point. I mean, I have the blog at FightingChanceFantasy.com, but I haven't really been doing much on it because I've been doing it for other people. Uh, but find me on Twitter at FightingChance, and you know, keep looking for so-called fantasy experts. I'll be there at least once a week. All right, Ryan. Thank you very much. Appreciate having you on the show tonight. Folks, that will just about do it for this week's episode of the Sunday Night Sandlot. We'd like to thank our special guest, Ryan Hallam, for joining us tonight. It was indeed a pleasure to have him here in the Cyber Studio. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'd love to see you again next week. Until then, for Doug Anderson and Ryan Hallam, this is your host, Buck Davidson, saying somebody start the team bus and do the post-game show. This is in the history books. We'll see you next week, everybody. Mm-hmm.